about how we get hope and joy. Now, I want to start with uh, just um, uh, just in, in this morning we were praying upstairs, and and uh, as we were doing that, I, I got a real sense of. Uh, and really what Lord Lazar and what Jane was saying is, is, as we were praying, I got a real sense of God wanting to uh, deal with us. Now, we've got, we've got a community that, that needs hope and joy, but actually God wants to deal with us first so that, so that we are full of hope and joy, that when we go out into our communities, we carry that. And, and there was a real sense that God wants to uh, reopen areas of your life that you have said, I'm not going there because there's no hope for it. And it might be, there could be all sorts of things. Now, we live, hopefully, most of our lives in hopeful looking forward. But we can, can't, can't, you can put things in compartments, can't we? And we can say, uh, yeah, I've got hope for this, and I'm hope for this, but do you know what? I'm not going this way because this hasn't this moved. This has never budged. Um, so... I'm not looking at this, I'm not, I'm not particularly down by it, but it's just, just one of those things. Uh, I'm not going to live with that, um, because I'm, as long as I've got something, I'll, I'll just put up with that hopeless place. And I believe God wants to, during this series, open up those areas. And for once, for you to again say, actually, I'm not going to believe that, it's a lie. It's a lie. I don't have hopeless places in my life. Because with God there is no hopelessness. He is the God of the impossible. Amen. And um, it, also in the in the premier, Daniel, I don't know if you remember this. You you just you, you prayed, and you prayed a, <laughs> and you he prayed a prayer and he used the, the term wallpaper of unbelief. Remember that? Uh, to be honest, I had no idea what he was talking about. That, um, <laughs> Now, it doesn't happen with Jamie much. And I thought, what paper unbelief? And as soon as he said that, I don't know if this is what you meant at all, um, but a picture came into my mind of this room with the wallpaper. Um, and, and someone was there taking this wallpaper down. And, and he was just taking it down. And suddenly, as he was doing it, he revealed a door. A door that had been covered up. And, and suddenly, the, the person in the room opened the door and went into a place he didn't realise he could get to. And, and I just wondered, I don't know if that's what you meant, but I didn't really know. That's what God spoke to me through it. Um, and it's just that whole sense of unbelief and lack of hope covers up things and, and changes the way we act and behave. And what God wants to do is take that down and reveal there's a door that's open. There's a door that's open. And you can go through it. We just can't see it because it's covered up at the moment. I want to base it um, on, a, on a verse in Romans 15 and verse 13. If we could have that up, uh, Amy. It says there, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful verse, and we're going to, if you could just leave that up, we're just going to look at that and just unpack that. Because hope not only changes the way we think and feel, it changes the way we behave. It changes uh, the way we act in different situations. Now, I want to be clear about what hope is. Uh, and biblical hope 
isn't, as I'm sure all of you know, isn't that wishful thinking, I hope it won't rain today. It's much more than that. Hope is to trust in, wait for, look for something or someone, and to expect something beneficial in the future. Hope is confident expectation of good to come. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a resoluteness about hope. Hope says good is coming. Yes. Amen. That's what hope is. It's not, oh, I hope something good happens. No, no, good is coming. There is, there is a uh, blessing in the pipeline, if you like. And it's, when we have that, it changes the way we feel, but it also changes the way we act. Amen. Now, I had an illustration of this last week, uh, of, the, of reverse, really. Um, last Saturday, I had the dubious pleasure of watching a group of men running around with very, very little hope. I'm talking, of course, about Crystal Palace. <laughs> if anybody watched that match against uh, Manchester United, you would have seen. You did. Yes. You would have seen a group of players who haven't won in seven matches, who haven't scored a goal in seven matches. And when you looked at them, you could see that they had no belief whatsoever that that was going to change. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And if you'd looked at me, you would have seen someone who had no belief that that was going to change in this match. Although I still try and keep hope. But the point is, is that because of that, the way they played was different. Because they didn't believe they could win, they didn't get themselves in the right positions. Because they didn't believe they couldn't stop the side scoring, they weren't there defending properly. They just didn't believe they could do it. And because of that, they were just behaving differently. Now the bizarre thing is, this team is pretty much the same team that in April this year, just through the month of April, beat three of the top teams in the country. Same people. So it's just a few months ago, we're winning everything. Now, they just can't, they can't win anything. And it's because they just don't believe, they've got no hope. And one of the, one of the keys of, of management is to go to them and instill that hope. Because actually, they've got the skills. They've got what they need, they just don't believe it. They just don't have hope. So how do we get hope? How do we get this hope? Well, how do we... How do we how can we be sure that good is coming? Well, there is a way that people try. And that is to gain control of absolutely everything in your life. And, what's more, in everyone else's life. And in the economy, and in the future. Now, we can try that. It's difficult to do. It's that you might try And if you do try and keep control of everything, actually that becomes a real strain and a burden. And suddenly we start realising and it becomes fearful. I can't, oh, I thought I could control everything and I can't and I can't control this. And of course it leads to anxiety and it leads to to pressure and it leads to us not being that nice of people because we're trying to control everything to stop bad things happening and we just can't do it. It's not how we were made. It's not how God made us. Amen. We can't control, we just about, in a good day, as Jamie has said many times, we can just about control ourselves. 
we try and control anything else, we really aren't going to get very far. And so trying to control is never, ever going to work in getting us hope and joy. And so we need to, we need to sometimes we, we try and do it. And we need to say, actually, no, no, I, 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 can't, I can't control the future. I can't control the situation. I can't control how other people behave. Now, I have some self-control, because that's a fruit of the Spirit, and I will do that, and I will work that way, but I will not try and control these other situations, because that's not what I'm going to do. Now, we can go and go to the Bible, and that's the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. And we can read verses like uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So Isaiah 40, verse 31, if you're taking notes. And Isaiah 49, verse 29 says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Amen. Now they're wonderful, wonderful verses. Amen. But we must read them correctly. Because you can read those verses in the wrong way. And you can say, oh, okay, right, um... I need to hope in God. If I hope in God, I'll have my strength renewed. Right, okay. So, okay, hope. Right, okay. I'm, I'm going I'm to get some hope, and then I'm going to put it in God, and then I'm going to be okay. Oh, I don't feel very hopeful. Right, okay. Hope, 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 hope. And we can, we can sort of try and work ourselves up Amen. to have hope. And we can say, oh, if only I had hope, I'll be all right. And then we start beating ourselves, I don't have enough hope and it's all my fault. And why, why am I not hope? I'm just a terrible Christian. I don't have hope. And I've seen that. And I've seen people beating themselves up because they don't have the hope they think they should have. And that's a misreading of that verse. See, those verses are there for us to say, oh, what a relief. They're not there to say, you haven't got hope. What a terrible person you are. <laughs> And that's where this verse in Romans 15 is so helpful. Because it starts with, may the God of hope. You see, God declares who he is so that we understand what he is and what he is to us. He says, I am the God of love. I am the God of peace. And he says, I am the God of hope. Which purely and simply means that if we need any of those things, we go to him. We don't try and get them somewhere else and then go to him and say, look, look, I've got a little bit of love, God. I can come to you now. No, no, no. He declares that because he wants people with absolutely no hope to come to him. And not to wait until we've got a little bit of hope. See, God wants us to admit, and sometimes we find it's difficult, we look at an area and, God, and go to God and say, God, I have no hope for this area of my life, or this area of my child's life, or this area of church life, or this area of community life, whatever it is. He wants us, if it's true, to go to him and say, God, I have no hope. Yes. But I'm coming to you because you say you are the God of hope. Yes. And I'm going to get that hope from you. You're the source of hope. 
in my life. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and admit that I don't have the hope that perhaps I should have. And that's where God loves it. Because he loves it when his children come to him and say, God, I, I can't do this. I'm no good. I can't, I'm not that I'm no good. But I, I haven't got hope. I haven't got the hope that I want to have. And he responds to his children when we do that. God wants us to start from the position that actually he is the source of everything that we need. And not to beat ourselves up if we don't have it. He knows what we're like. He made us. He made us. David had the same experience of God. He was uh, one of my favourite Psalms. Uh, Psalm 62. Whose water is this? (laughs) (laughs) Nice and warm. That's not quite what I was expecting. I'm going to go and pick this one up. Lovely. Right. David in this psalm is saying, I'm in a difficult position here. Psalm 62 says, How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies, with their mouth they bless. But in their hearts they curse. He was surrounded by people that were out to get him. He was looking at this and thinking, Oh, what a terrible situation I'm in. But then he speaks to himself. He speaks to his soul, as we've been talking about, as we do in the Declaration. He speaks to his soul and he says this, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. So he's feeling hopeless. He's feeling that all these people are against him and then he just talks to himself. And he says, no, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to find rest and I'm going to find hope. I haven't got any. I look at the situation, it's hopeless. But I'm going to go to God. And I'm going to find the rest and the hope that I need. And so our first way of getting hopefulness in any situation is to admit that we're hopeless and go to the God of hope. It's very, very simple. And he loves to fill us with hope. He loves to to breathe into us the hope that we don't have. Being open and honest before him is so important. And then the rest of that verse talks about uh, fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What we were doing this morning was being in the presence of God. Wonderful, wonderful time where we can receive hope from God as the Holy Spirit moves amongst us. That's why worship, that's why being in the presence of God is so important. Now we love the word of God and that that is vital as well, I'm going to come on to that. But experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says here, is vital. So vital. I had an uh, illustration of this yesterday. Uh, we dropped Becca off to her new house in um, uh, Warwick, wherever it is, Leamington, I can't remember where it is now, Harbury, 
That's not relevant. Um, and so there's, there's nothing in the house, so it needs to be furnished. And so we went to find some furniture. But before that, she's going to just uh, sleep on a, an airbed. I'm sure you've all seen airbeds. And um, we use them for camping and stuff. And, uh, and so, uh, but when you get the airbed out, uh, you know, it's all folded up in a box and it, it's all sort of creased and, and everything. And, and if you look at it and you think, oh, that's not going to be very interesting to sleep on, is it? It's going to be very uncomfortable. Um, and then you sort of unfold it and it's all a bit sort of in a funny shape. And, uh, and then, of course, what you do is you connect the air to it, don't you? Or you put a pump or you hand pump or whatever. And gradually, as that happens... This airbed, which is pretty useless as it is, I mean, you could lay it out without air, and you could lay on it. it well, it wouldn't be very useful. It would be just like laying on the floor. It would sort of serve a purpose. As you pump air into it, suddenly that thing not only starts to, be, to do what it's made to do, but the more air you put in it, the better it becomes. If you half fill it, it's better than if it's no full at all, yeah? You can, it, will, it will service as a sort of bed, a little bit hard, a little bit, you know. But as, you, as more air goes in, that thing takes shape, and it, and it gets more and more filled, and it becomes more and more effective in what it was designed to do. And that, I thought, was a great picture, and it just spoke to me of, of what it's like to be filled Amen. and to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have been made to be really, really effective. That's how God has made us. We are effective people. God has uh, saved us. He's recreated us as new in his sight. And we are formed for his purpose. To do amazing things with God. To bring rest (laughs) to people like an airbag does, if you like. To bring hope uh, of a good night's sleep. However you want to put it. (coughs) But we need the inspiration and the breath of the Holy Spirit. We sang about it this morning. That spirit blow on through how we need that. Because as we do, as we spend time in his presence, as, as, as he brings hope into us, so we, we start filling up and become a fully formed airbed, if that's a, an interesting or rather strange illustration. But then it becomes something that is so useful and does exactly what it was designed to do. But without the, the inspiration, the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the filling of that air, it won't be nearly as effective as it was supposed to be. And so dwelling in his presence, being in the presence of Jesus, asking his spirit to fill you, will enable us to have hope that can make up effective in what we are called to do. So that is so, so important for us. But the other thing which, again, uh, is so important is, is, is that that's where we remain. You see, what I could do is I could pump that up and then if I take the source of the pump away and don't stopper it, it will just gradually go down. And we can, that's what we're a bit like, actually. We sort of tend to leak a bit. So we need to just keep coming back to the Holy Spirit and being with him. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 is, a, is an amazing chapter. I'm not going to read it. It's very long. And what goes on there is amazing. If you do read it through, the disciples are being introduced to amazing things in God. Um, uh, that starts with them being sent out to, to heal the sick and preach the gospel, and they see many healed, and, and they're amazed at this. And then it's the uh, feeding of the 5,000. Jesus does this amazing miracle. 
uh, and they're just wow, that's amazing. And then and then there's the transfiguration, uh, and then, uh, Jesus is glorious. Um, uh, and then there's a healing of a demon possessed boy. It's just full of amazing stuff. And then you get this uh, this um, exercise that this uh, goes on in, in Luke nine verse fifty four. After all this, what happens is. Uh, they were walking to Jerusalem and they came across Samaria. And they were about to go through um, and, and then this happened. So, but the people there did not welcome him, did not welcome Jesus, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them all? <laughs> now, you can look at this a number of ways. You can think... Oh, Goodness sake, haven't they got it yet? And Jesus does tell them off. But actually, I look at it slightly differently, and I think, yeah, they have got it. They have got it. They have been around Jesus so much. Their hope level, their expectation level is so high that they come across something that is Old Testament, but they think, oh, we can, we can, we can deal with this. We can deal with this. Uh, the way we deal with this is fire from heaven. That's what Elijah did on this mountain or whatever. So they, what I loved about it is they had expectation Amen. that God was going to do something. Amen. <laughs> I don't know whether Jesus told them that's, that's not the way. I don't think he told them that won't work. Because I think they had such faith and such expectation that it may well have done. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's... I don't want to go down that path. But do you know what? God in, it gives us a great authority. And when we see the authority we have, it's amazing what we can do and what God... Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if we call down fire, that will happen. I'm not saying it's a good thing, because it's not. Jesus said, don't do it. But the fact is, they had been with Jesus. They had been so close to him that their, their expectation levels were sky high. And they thought, nothing's impossible. We can look at any situation and sort it out. Okay, it wasn't the right way of sorting it out. But can you see, they, they, had, they had so grasped something of being with Jesus. So being in his presence, getting to know him, understanding what he's like is vital. So that we may see him first when we meet a tricky situation. We see him first and hope comes in our heart. Because if we look at the situation first, we so often think, oh, that's hopeless. How on earth is that going to change? How on earth can we see breakthrough here? But actually, we need to look at Jesus first and be with him. We need a greater view of God. We need to understand how much he is committed to us, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he wants to know us as his children and we know him as his, uh, our father. He wants us to have that view of God that says, I love you, yes. I care for you and I have got everything in hand. You can't control all this. Do you know what? I can. You can't change the situation, but do you know what? I can. Amen. And he wants you to know that that he does that on a regular basis for his children. And he breathes hope and life into us. I had a, a time on Friday where, where with the men's group, we, 
uh, the testimonies. It was my turn, and, and, and I, I went through. Well, the way I gave my testimony was to was to look back at the points in my life where God had intervened. And it was a great thing. I, I really loved doing it. I mean, I do it sort of time to time, but I actually wrote them down this time. And I wrote down, and I put the dates next to them, of times where God had specifically broken in to, to my life and changed things. And, and it was interesting. Asked, one, of them asked, one of the men asked a question, and I realised that actually what happened in those moments wasn't so much that God had broken in and changed the situation... So that, you know, when things weren't going wrong, he hadn't said, right, I'm going to change that completely. I'm going to, so you're going to wake up in the morning and the situation is going to be gone. He didn't do that. What he did, he broke in and he changed me. Amen. He changed the way I looked at it. He changed my thinking about the situation. He was much more interested in making, in bringing me to maturity than just being someone who deals with it. Now, what happened after that is because I had a different outlook, because hope had come in many of these situations, I behaved differently and the situation got resolved by, by what I did or how, how, you know. Now, obviously, God did also acted uh, at the same time. But nevertheless, as I look back at those times, I think, yeah, God, you broke in and you changed and you spoke to my heart and you brought hope into those situations. And... and and actually, and in some of them, particularly, that was what I needed. I needed to have a different outlook. And the whole situation broke open yeah. and changed. And I, and I actually, actually I thank you, God, for doing that. And it's good to remember what God has done in the past. So when we look at situations in the future, we can see, ah, oh, that's what you did there, God. You did that. You broke in. You changed it. This situation is going to be no different. And so when we remember what God has done, when we, when we call to mind and are thankful, we can actually apply it to the next situation. That's why testimonies are so good, and we talk about this. Testimonies are so good because we can look and say, actually, God, look what you did for this person. Look how you changed the situation there. Look how you met with them. God, this situation is not a lot different. You're going to do the same thing. And hope comes as we rehearse and understand and look back at what God has done. I want to speak, and it's this particular thing for us, um, and I just felt God wanted me just to highlight this in relation to, to children. One of the areas that we sometimes struggle with, we look, look to, uh, because we, what happens with kids, uh, as you know, is that when, when they're young, uh, you, can, you can protect them and, and you can hold them and you're never going to let anything bad happen to you and all that sort of stuff. And then, unfortunately, what happens is they tend to grow uh, and then they get a bit bigger and they seem to then develop a mind of their own. I mean, where did that come from? Why, why does that happen? And, uh, and then they have their own ideas and they grow and they want to do their own thing and they want to think their own thoughts and, and we think, well, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Um, because that will get them nowhere. But of course, children grow, and, they, and, and the mo- one of the most difficult things for parents is to say, "I can't control their environment anymore. I can't. You know, they have. They've got their own lives. They're making their own decisions. They they want to do things that I perhaps wouldn't want them to do. And of course, fear can grip us when that happens. And we can think, "Well, oh, you know, oh dear, something bad's going to happen. It's, it's all going to go wrong, and I, I can't do anything about it." Or maybe things, you know, things have already taken place that you're not happy about. And, and we've been through different situations with our children. And, and, you know, 
we've had challenging, really challenging times with them. And, and some things that you, some of you won't know about, but that's fine because they're not appropriate to share. But what, what I would say is that God wants to breathe hope Amen. into those situations. He wants you to know Amen. that he loves your children Amen. and cares for your children more than you do. And he wants to breathe hope. If, if that's somebody here that is concerned, and it may be one or two, God wants you to know that he loves your children more than you do. Amen. And he wants you to know right now that he, has, he wants you to have hope Amen. for them and for their situation. That you don't have to fear, you don't have to worry, you don't have to look with anxiety into the future. And he wants you to just receive hope, even now, into your heart. Because he loves them, he's caring for them, and he will sort things out. All he's asking you, I think, at this time is to pray. It's just to pray for your kids. Just pray for them. You can't control them, we we know that. It wouldn't be right. You can pray, you can give advice, it's not wrong to give advice, you can give parents advice, it's absolutely fine, and it's good, and you can show that you love them, but Trust God that he loves them and has, wants to breathe hope into you. And I think as you, as you receive hope from God, actually that's going to help you in the way you deal with the situation. It's going to change the way you uh, act towards them. And I think that, will, that sometimes will just break open the situation in any case. If you, if you go to your children with no hope and, and you deal with them in that way, it will have an effect, effect on them. But when you go to them with hope, it will have a completely different effect. So God wants you to know that he has hope for your future and your children. just want to finish with the fact that actually sometimes, though, hope, we do have to persevere in it. And we can get hope by going to God and understanding who he is and what he's like. Uh, and that's true, but actually sometimes God does call us to persevere. And actually as we persevere, as we spend time saying, God, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let uh, what's going on around me rob me of what I know you're like, or not what I know you said, then that hope then grows as we persevere. It says in... Yes, <clears throat> Romans 5, 3 to 5. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given us. Again, the Holy Spirit, vital work that he has in breathing hope into us. But sometimes we, we get into a situation and we need to persevere in it. I love the, the word that Jamie brought last week. I don't know if you remember it, those of you here. Um, he, he had this picture, a dream, I think it was, um, about finding a, a, a walnut tree growing in the middle of Plumstead, a place where there was fruit and wonderful things that were growing. And, uh, but it was a place that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. Well, you know, how, can this, how can this wonderful fruit be in this sort of place? Uh, and yet uh, what happened was some dogs came out and, and he got uh, frightened and tried to get on his bike, couldn't get away from them and they were barking really loudly and shouting and, and snarling 
But when they got to him, um, they, they tried to bite and they bit him, but he couldn't feel anything. Because the, the picture was, and the word well, I'm saying this right now, uh, that, okay, he's got a, the devil's got a bark, but he's got no bite. And, and, and the, the, the word that came was to, to, to don't give up on hope, don't give in to the, the, the bark of the enemy. Don't give in to what he says, because he's got no power to hurt. Because he lost that at the cross. So often we don't believe that. So often we think we can be hurt by Satan. So, so often the lies in our heads say, he, he, he can hurt me, I, I'm, I'm frightened, I, can, I, you know, I can't, this situation is not going to change because, because it's going to be snatched away from me, it's going to be taken. And we need to remember that Jesus won a victory at the cross which was total. Amen. He didn't yet cause Satan to shut up. Satan is still able to speak. That won't be forever. But he lost his power at the cross. Amen. He lost his power at the cross. He was defeated. And we need to know that. We need to know that he has been defeated. And he can speak, but we mustn't listen to the lies. God can bring about fruit in all sorts of places that you thought were barren. God can bring fruit in every area that is barren in your life. And Satan can't do anything about it. <laughs> he can speak to you, but that's it. And you just need to choose not to listen to the lie. Yeah. And that's how, as we persevere, we will see good things grow. And we will have that hope that comes through persevering. Yeah. I've mentioned joy. Um, I've run out of time. What I, what, you, what I believe the Bible teaches very clearly is when we get hope, joy follows immediately. You don't get a, joy, a hope-filled person saying, Oh, I'm so full of hope. <laughs> I've got such hope for the future. That's not what happens, is it? When you, when you have hope for the future, you look ahead and you think, Wow, it's good coming. It's good coming. When I have hope, when I, you know, God's Holy Spirit's breathed hope into me, there's good coming. A smile, if you can't say that without smiling. You can't smile that without joy coming. That's why I want to focus on hope, because hope, we are joyful in hope. That's what the Bible says, we're joyful in hope. And as hope comes into us, joy just overflows. And so, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about joy later, but actually, know that when hope comes, joy just comes along with it. So, so just to finish, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just as we finish, yeah, can we all stand? Can we all stand? want to just to go back to that thing that I had at the start about areas in your life and maybe this may not apply to everybody I just want you to just 
close your eyes for a moment. And this doesn't take it's not a, a big sort of delve into your past or into your mind, but as you do that, maybe God is going to speak to you of areas that you know you've closed off. Areas in your own life, maybe the life of a child, maybe the life of a family member, or, or, or something that you had, a gift that you thought you were going to do, or just an area where you have sort of closed it off, where the wallpaper of unbelief is covered over the door, and you saw someone going there anymore, because, well, that, that's, that's, that's dead, that area is dead. I've got no hope in that area. And if that's you, I want you just to, just right now, believe God wants to just breathe on you the power of the Spirit. He wants to breathe on you and he wants to speak to you and breathe hope into that area. And he wants you to know that that dead area is not dead. That what it is, is it's been wallpapered over by unbelief. And he's taking that wallpaper off right now. He's taking that wallpaper off and he's revealing a door. A door that's open. And so, if that's you, if that's in any area of your life, let God right now come and reveal that there's a door. There's a door, he's taken off that wallpaper of unbelief and there's a door. And he's going to open up that area again. Opening it up right now. He's opening it up and he's breathing hope into your life. Mm. And as hope comes, yeah. so joy comes, yeah. and actually strategy comes, yes. and actually new ideas come, yes. and new ways of dealing with it come, and, 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 and different actions will come. Mm. But let it starts with hope coming. Yeah. Hope comes. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, breathe upon this place, breathe upon dead areas, breathe upon dead thinking, and, and let it come alive again in Jesus' name. Yes. Come alive. Let hope come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we just we're just believing for testimonies of of new life to come. Yes. Testimonies of new life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Diana, would you mind sharing what you shared upstairs? I just feel that that's appropriate about about.